Welcome to Antique Dust. Hello and welcome to Antique Dust, where we are dusting down the gorgeous series that is Bergerac, the seminal 1980s drama series starring John Nettles as the titular uh, character, Jim Bergerac. Now, we have just watched episode seven of series three, A Cry in the Night. Was that the one? It was indeed a cry in the night. Cry in the night. Cry yeah. in the night. So that was full of hooray, Henrys, um, yachts, pop music, media intrigue. Should we talk about pop um, music? Pop music. Let's talk about pop, pop music. music. Anyway, I'm Jonathan. I'm Rob. And together we are Antique Dust. Woo! Yay! So this episode was actually um, very much along the sort of like. A low-key Poirot episode. Yes, I think this was a mystery rather than an action-adventure. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of roughy-tufty. Well, there was uh, a punch-up at the end, but it's, it wouldn't be bad like they had a punch-up. So, I mean, the, the outline of it, it starts with um, a bunch of very unlikable Hooray Henrys of a... That I think they're trying to play younger ages than they actually are. Uh, going out on someone's new motor launch yacht. Well, I think I would say it's a it's a load of slightly older men and with um, the Dolly Bird Dolly Bird uh, girlfriends. Yes, um, with sort of lo- lots of the Farrah Fawcett hairdos. There was a lot of big hair, wasn't lots there? Of big hair lots of big and, hair and uh, shoulder pads that would take people sort of you have to have wider doors, you know, like disability doors. Like a, a disability loo, you know, okay. a bigger, wider door uh, for wheelchair access and shoulder pads. Um, so the general story was: this chap has got his new boat. They're all going out there. It's st- the continuity starts off a little bit off because they come out with a bottle of fizz, asking, "Oh, can you open this?" And then already on the tray is the glasses of fizz. And uh, they might have already (laughs) started. They might have already started. Yeah. So there's a a bunch of sort of sort of blokes and um, these ladies. Some Jersey business types, I suppose you would say. No, I don't. There's there's um boy, 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 boy. Yeah, boy who is an ex pop star. The drummer. A drummer, a rock drummer, a rock drummer um, from uh, a pop band that he seems to have. I don't know. It, it just seems his character is very peculiar, and the actor that plays him was atrocious. Um, it's sort of, it, it was like read the lines, love. Yeah, 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 just look angry. It was like sort of the we had watched a Lovejoy episode where someone was just, just like just look angry and say emotively and basically it was shouting and that was pretty much him. I know he was probably trying to sort of emulate or work through his character that he was slightly hard of hearing after yeah. being a drummer. Well, the actor, Don Hawkins, um, actually didn't really make any TV after no kidding. A- after this, though he did loads, loads before and he uh, was married to Patricia Quinn. Medicine Woman? No. 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 Patricia Quinn oh, um, ma- uh, was married to Robert Stevens, played 
Daisy Pouncer in Box of Delights, oh. was Magenta in uh, oh. Rocky Horror Picture Show, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they have a son, Quinn, Quinn Hawkins. <laughs> he also Batman. played Trevor Ogden. Trevor oh, from Coronation Street? Yes. How did the Ogdens have a son? I don't know, but he played a character called Trevor Ogden. Oh. He played in 1973... 1975, 1983, 1984. So he only appeared five times. Right. Well, five story arts or five episodes. Five episodes. Oh dear. Well, he wasn't a very good actor. Really. Well, I think we've established. We've established that. But hey ho. Hey ho. So, uh, I, mean, he, I mean, he had the look, and but it just, no, it didn't have the range. No range, sweetie. No range. Uh, so anyway, the, the the bunch of Hooray Henrys get pissed up, go out on the boat, um, and then the next scene we see is one of them face down in a bay, and it becomes apparent that two fell overboard. One of the uh, ladies, an ex-figure skater from Yorkshire, and Emerald, <laughs> Emerald, <laughs> so, Rupert and Emerald, <laughs> Rupert and Emerald. Uh, so Rupert was face down uh, and has obviously drowned and Emerald is in the hospital with her um, sort of parents that have just arrived from Yorkshire. Uh, obviously not in Yorkshire Airlines because it doesn't matter. Arthur and Betty. Arthur and Betty. And the, the actor that plays Arthur was in Hetty Wainthrop. Yes, Frank, <laughs> Frank Mills. I think he was the brother. I th- I'm sure he was also in Last of the Summer Wine. Um, uh, uh, well, he's not credited. All right. Well, he's got IMDb. the look of last the summer wine about him. <laughs> what being older and from Yorkshire. So, so we all we find out more about Emerald and her figure skating past. It was a choice between figure skating or swimming, but it was cold when she started to started to go, so she had to skate on the water rather than swim under it. <laughs> so, and uh, then, we, so Bergerac's obviously sort of shoehorned in. We only have a little bit of Charlie playing. Um, Bows and arrows. Yeah, so I think I think he was just wedged in, but presumably they. I mean, he did obviously give a bit of exposition. Yes, I mean that's that's his role in a lot of these stories is because he knows everyone in Jersey. He's able to give that bit of background. That's I mean that's the I think Charlie and Diamante Lil are are basically performing the same function in most of these episodes of providing exposition yeah and uh ultimately says he's sort of he he left he sold up in yorkshire and came over over um with all his other yorkshire ruffians with money came over following him over and uh he's, he's had a little bit of a murky past in the music industry with drugs rock and roll and that sort of thing, that burning sort of down thing. hotels and stuff yes. like that. Uh, they a tr- bit of fire setting. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, the character itself of uh, Boy um, was quite interesting because he had the same story, uh, but it, it wedged, went this way, went one way and another way. Because when Bergerac interviews him and, and, and insists that he comes and identifies the body, he feels a little bit nauseous. And in a later scene, says, "Oh right, my, I was brought up my grandfather. He worked on the fish, uh, worked in the fish industry, and always smelt of fish. And for uh, when he when he passed away and his body was laid out, the smell of fish was the thing that was permeated 
but a year later it's it it left it sort of it sort of it left and that's when i realized he wasn't there anymore and then he used exactly the same story but with regards to religion when he was talking mm. to emerald's mother it was the smell of flowers the smell of flowers saying his mother is when his mother parts so always filled the house with flowers and what have you um so he's there does seem to be a little bit of a backstory that wasn't really investigated hugely i think he just had a lot of insecurities and i think a better actor would have made more of that um which always it's felt very unfortunate because the episode did rock along nicely it was sunny so it wasn't as though people were on the beach and there was someone walking in the cagoule uh, and uh, and they'd actually managed to make it look reasonably sunny which i think seems to be quite a challenge for 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 the show because even when people are sweating it's still still has that slightly bluey cast that makes it just look a little bit chilly yeah but see uh, if they made it today then they probably use a gold filter and just make it all nice and warm and but it did actually look quite inviting the swimming pools looked quite inviting and looked sort of yeah you could yeah. do that and the sea looked really blue which was lovely rather than that steely grey that it yeah. often, often does on the show which is really quite yeah but I'd say the scenery was fantastic uh, there was so Bergerat was interviewed with other Hooray Henrys and again there was a little bit of backstory with one of the other couple they interviewed he was there on his computer which looked like a fixed screen Commodore 64 what, uh, yeah, I think uh, it, was, uh, it, was, his, it uh, didn't look like a Commodore 64, it did, it, but it uh, did actually look... I'm sure I saw a Commodore logo. I don't think Commodores did the fixed screen. Oh, they, they did it. They, oh, they certainly did. They certainly did. They they did all kinds. So he, he, he was there. His, oh, sorry, the, the scene... So you've got the lady playing on her ghetto blast, one of those tapes, tapes in, in her all-in-one sort of uh, pink leotard, yeah, playing, like the green girl spit in pink. Yeah, playing that, that music that sounds like it should be in a porn so she, she's, she's lifting her legs up, she's like, naughty toes, big toes, bad toes, yeah. naughty toes, that sort of thing. Just doing the Jane Fonda nomobics. <laughs> while he's... he's sort of Clenching re- those buttocks. Yeah, while he's clenching his buttocks, trying to load up something on... Pong. On, on, on the computer. He's there tapping along with two fingers. And this computer is on this very low wicker co- coffee table. You know, the, yeah. the type that you... Yeah, you, you he'll do his back in for that. He will, he'll do his back in. And then she comes in and asks him to put her ovulation cycle just out of nowhere. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. And I thought that was quite interesting because there was obviously a backstory with all these yeah. characters where there was there were all it, it it felt as though if it had been delivered a little bit differently, yeah, we would have had backstories from all of the other hooray henrys to create a little bit more depth we were sort of getting i should say that this episode was written by robert holmes who's written a few episodes before a very very well respected screenwriter former uh doctor who script editor all the rest of it um a very very good writer and i think he was just trying to drop some some backstory in but without actually really explaining it you know just just a few details just to give us and a it, sense of and it, what and these it, people it, are like. It did. It, it felt as though that there was more depth to it. And I think with that a little bit different delivery or something along that. So you had the, the one of the couples where he was on too busy on his computer um, talking to his computer. 
I think Oscar he called it. Yes, his personal computer. His personal computer was called Oscar. Oscar. And she was there talking about ovulation cycle. So obviously their relationship, so she wants a baby. Mm, uh, And that was really interesting. Um, With Boy. um, Boy Buckley. uh, Boy Buckley. He had a Scandinavian girlfriend. Gudrun Osberg. Played by by Linda Regan, who was April in Heidi High. One of the the Yellowcoats. Yes. Um, And uh, she was with... I mean... Her her backstory was quite interesting as well, but again, there wasn't enough time or way it was yeah. delivered. It was just sort of dripped. So a few a few facts being dripped in just to give a little bit of color, but without necessarily giving us the full the full story. The full story, and I say the the other couple. They were I thought, again. They were sort of quite lovely with their sort of cliff face house with swimming pool and fountains and that sort of thing in the garden yeah. and they were, they were all giving their story about what yeah, was yeah. happening about music happening and a bit of an argy-bargy and don't forget Stephen and Norbert <laughs> Steve, his coloured boyfriend Stephen runs Norbert. a gallery with, um, and Stephen uh, Stephen was uh, it sort of has a gallery but also uh, we find out is sort of a little bit of a drugs dealer of some such, some such um, because he obviously sells art and drugs to his high net worth clients, and it comes apparent that he has got a previous surname under the name of Axel. Was it Axel? Axel, yes. Axel was his previous surname, but he's got uh, a black boyfriend called Norbert. Yeah. You could have caught. Come on. You, I mean, sorry. You, you would. <laughs> who I'm has sorry. a boyfriend called Norbert? Yeah. I do apologise for everybody out there that has got a boyfriend called Norbert. But really, I, I think <laughs> that that sort of felt to me a bit like a Bob Holmes joke. Really, calling the boyfriend Norbert. It was almost like, what is the most unlikely name you could possibly give this chap? I know. We'll call him Norbert. So, so, so the the art dealer. He was delightfully flamboyant and playing to a stereotype, all the tropes of the stereotype. But a little bit waspy, a little bit offhand. But he was still a very, very confident person, and he was really interesting as well. It's like they had some really, really great, interesting characters in this. Um, it also the general story sort of mim- mims is along the parents arrive they're doting on the daughter that's still in a coma um, boy um, Boyden comes in with flowers um, just to see if she's still alive um, and you think there's a little something a bit sinister so yeah. you pretty much know yeah, from yeah. date from, he from, sort of sends the mother out the room and we think gosh is he going to put a pillow over her face or, or switch off her life support or something like that um, he doesn't do any of that but no the possibility there was a feels po- like it's there. there there was lots and lots of possibilities there and it, it it's it, it's it, you, you know that all the triggers were there that he was the one that did it uh so, so i think it's similar so oh, what's the, the the detective in the trench coat you know who's pretty much done colombo yeah, you know just, who's done it and, yeah and and it's just yeah. how we're going to get around yeah. to yeah the difference with colombo is that with colombo it's very clear it's you know, it's very clear right from the start who did it, and we watched Colombo trying to put it together. This was a little bit more of a mystery because it wasn't clear from the outset. We might have our suspicions, and I don't think anyone was particularly surprised when when Boy Buckley is is identified as being the 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 murderer or the the manslaughterer. No, and 
But it was... It, it, I think the episode had so many really, really great characters which were utilised in some way but could have been utilised a little bit more. Um, and it turns out the boy... So there's the nonsense about the, uh, the, the drug dealer... Uh, art dealer um, was was very dismissive about Boy Boyden because apparently he didn't want um, a, anyone of uh, any ethnicity on the boat. Uh, yes, he didn't want his coloured boyfriend Norbert to, to be on the boat. Um, he didn't want any coloured people on the boat. And I don't think Norbert would have wanted to go on the boat anyway. Well, probably not. He was too busy playing with his screwdriver and hammer. <laughs> so. But and it, it was it was so nicely weaved in, and then towards the the final, the sort of like the the, the two thirds away through, then so the media get involved. Uh, first, Boy Boy said, "Oh, I need protection, etc." But he's there whining and dining the media because he just likes the attention. And there's one sort of journo that's starting to follow Bergerac, and Bergerac sort of sort of ink sort of stops and ink sort of like st- starts talking with him. And said, "Look, stop following me." So, well, I'm I'm like a bloodhound. I say you're like a bloodhound. I can spot that. So you're follow. So where I follow you, the story will fold out. And Bergerac does something a little bit peculiar, really. We say, "Like, okay, look, stop following me. I'll meet you up for a drink at the the Royal Barge, and I can you can give me all the information about Boy Bowden, which is really interesting because and there's uh, there's a little bit of chemistry with uh, the journo, um, sort of Diamonte Lil and. And, and and Jim and it concocts a story with regards to Boy Borden because obviously he has a, a bit of a a, ro- a wrong and past and uh, then he sets sets a story up to to, to to trap him basically and the journo goes to Boy Borden and says all right the the, the the woman's come out of a coma the parents are here they want to see see you to th- thank you for all you've done etc etc and it basically all comes about and that's the story ended because he basically comes clean and says oh it my was, god i hope she's I hope she's she's she's, she's, she's I mean, it was an accident with her um and so i got into a scuffle with the other one and da, 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 and then then he gets arrested yeah so and but, turns out that she's dead yeah she has actually died so um which is Sad. So it turns from manslaughter to murder. To murder. So yeah, so it's, it's attempted murder, attempted manslaughter for. Yeah, well, it's, mur- attempted, it's manslaughter for for the chap and murder for her. So because she obviously saw him attacking the other one, and it's all some nonsense about his Scandinavian girlfriend sleeping with the other guy. Yeah, and then Rupert and Emerald. Rupert, there's something about Rupert bankrupting a company and all the rest of it. I didn't. I didn't really. There's a little bit, there's a little I bit of really, nonsense. I didn't really follow all of that particularly closely. There's, but a, there's a bit of nonsense because the, the guy that's fallen off the boat was is now poor because he spent all his money on drugs, um, from buying drugs from the art dealer. Yes, and bouncing checks and, and all bouncing checks and, and, and mm. all that. There was a bit of nonsense there, but the, there was a nice amount of backstory that could have developed quite nicely. It felt like it could have been not a Bergerac episode. Yeah, it sort of felt like a bit, you know, it could have been almost a bit of an Agatha Christie thing going on there. So because it was all these characters, all of whom, I suppose, could, have, um, could have had a motive to, 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 to kill 
to kill Rupert and, yeah. and so on. It's sort of like it could almost have that sort of feel about it, but it didn't quite get there because I just don't think there was the Enough. the time. Time. I mean, that's it could have been like a play for the that. day. You know, like a ninety-minute play. I mean, Bergerac could have got them all into a room and you know and said, "I know who the who yeah. the killer was," and all of that. That kind of malarkey. It did have that sort of general feel about yeah. it, but it didn't really develop in that in that way. And it, and it came to quite a swift and convenient resolution, really. Yeah, I mean, because he was uh, yeah. So Boy Boyden was a little bit annoying, um, and it sort of you, you didn't really feel sorry for him. But then it, then there was moments that you did feel sorry for him because you know, you felt that. He was suffering from some sort of post-traumatic stress or something because well, there was something up with him. There, there was something. There was something. Hap- something. He was either fuddled on drugs or something, uh, and his recollection and his memories had has gone. Which oh, is it was just yeah. It, it could have been a little bit better. It wasn't. It wasn't as heinous as that episode a couple of days ago. Sort of a couple of episodes ago. Um, it had intrigue. It the jersey looked gorgeous. Uh, so. It looks like Charlotte's still doing herself up, and she was like trying to. She coax. was quite glam. She was. She, she, was, she, was, she, was, she was. She was quite heavily bl- made up. Blue eye shadow, a bit of rouge, a bit lippy, sort of bit like leaning over Bergerac just with her heaving bosoms, newly permed hair. Uh, although it does seem like all the pot plants have been killed now. Well, we're now on. To, I think we're on to dried plants in a jug. Dried plants in a jug. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, they'd run out of budget for and they obviously had to have very thin actors because they fit three three acts three three people into that 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 triumph roadster god knows how that managed to get up the hill (laughs) i think i think it was probably in a low loader it was just it was just cleverly shot so you didn't twig i think it was quite interesting where the boy boyden character actually speaks to to bergerac and says you must be a bit of a narcissist to drive around a car it says look at me yeah, I, that, that felt like the script writer was having a bit of a, a dig. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. That, that again had had the quality of a Bob Holmes joke about it. Yeah, it did seem to be maybe in in jokes, sort of peppered through it. But overall, I would give this four out of five. Uh, it kept my attention. I wouldn't go that high. Really? I think would you I, do three? I was, I'd probably go down to three, maybe even two and a half. Three if I'm feeling generous. It it, it just felt a little bit slow and a little bit um it felt a bit laborious and i sort of started losing interest halfway through oh. um so i wouldn't be as generous as you perhaps but oh. i was about to say that it was i a little bit i guess whenever i i will confess that whenever i see certain names as the writers i do have i do sometimes get a little bit excited so, yeah. right um so when I saw Robert Holmes was the writer, I thought, ooh, it's a Robert Holmes episode. This should be good. And actually, I just felt a little bit disappointed by it. Oh. But that's that's more to do with me than anything else. I no. Think. I mean, I think, the pro- I think the issue is, because we're now watching In Tandem Lovejoy... And yeah, we've got something to make a comparison. We've got with. something to make a comparison about. And Bergerac is lovely and is of its time. However, this one was shot in 1984... And we're watching 1986 Lovejoy, and you can really see the production values have changed dramatically. So it's going to be quite interesting watching a 1986 episode of Bergerac, uh, purely to see 
if they change with the time because it, they do seem to change the editing thing because obviously in series one they were really finding their feet and it was all a little bit grainy it was a little bit laborious on some of the episodes especially the one with the post-traumatic stress one um so it will be interesting to see how the 1986 series goes up we've got this series which was 1984 and then so it, it ups its game a little bit because I think the technology improved so much over over such a short period of time. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it's so much about technology because Bergerac shot on film, Lovejoy is 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 shot on film. I think it's more to do with other things that were going on. Obviously, the the feel of each episode of Bergerac it's, it feels different. Um, because each episode, generally speaking, has a different writer and a different director. Um, Lovejoy uh, was made by an independent production company. Uh, the episodes, generally speaking, at least the ones we've seen so far, have all been written by uh, the same person. I think it just has a different, a, a different. You know, there, there, there's something different going on. Mm. Um, I. It will be interesting to see if 1986 Bergerac has a feeling of 1986 Lovejoy. I suspect mm. it probably won't, but we will. Yeah, we, we will have will to say. I, I think it's really. Course. Yeah, I think it's really, really quite interesting because um, I say my my memories of Bergerac say are peppered. I don't. I don't. Rem I have. I have no recollection of seeing any of these episodes. The only episodes I I, I remember was when he came off. The, Bergerac came off the wagon, and then I think I remember later episodes, which were a little seems a little bit more glam than than the earlier ones, which were a bit drab. So, but I don't know if that was of the period because then because obviously you had Howard's Way and you had uh, had those type yeah. of. So maybe maybe it does become a little bit more polished. Mm. Certainly, the early episodes and. To some extent, some of these episodes that we're watching now, some of them do lack polish, but I think that's much more about who's directing the episode mm. uh, rather than the production values. Just and that's just the nature of television. That some direct different directors have different styles, and just some are better than others. And yeah. I mean I, I mean, I think the storytelling, and I think it's going to be really interesting because they are, there is talk that they are doing a reboot of Bergerac, and it was going to be so interesting to see how that comes about and what, how if if that if it does come to fruition, how they change it um, because I think we're so influenced by these American shows which have got really really tight editing yeah. and tight I, story. I, I suspect it will be one of those. I think I think it will be. Uh, so we're going to revisit nineteen eighty one Bergerac. No, I think it will be very much a Netflix um, style of show, very glossy, very polished, very tight, packing a whole load of stuff in. So there'll be the equivalent of two and a half nineteen eighties episodes jammed into crammed into one forty five minute yeah. episode. That's my my prediction if it ever happens. I mean, it, I mean, it is interesting, I and mean, the character development is quite good. But we're we're now up at episode seven, so we haven't we've only got a couple more episodes left of this series, and it, it doesn't seem like much is happening with Deborah because Deborah's not been in this episode, and she seems to be a bit 
Deborah Light. However, the relationship between Bergerac and Deborah, uh, the ex-wife, seems to have been f sort of thawing a little bit, and there seemed to be a bit more of a, an essence there. But next series, we, we get introduced to Susan, the estate I believe agent. so. I think I'm right in thinking that, that, um, that we, yeah, we have, yeah, Susan Young uh, is introduced at the start or maybe in the first or second episode of, of series four. So that will probably scupper uh, so the, the rapprochement oh, between Deborah, uh, Deborah and, and Jim. So, but overall, it's still very enjoyable. However, it's doesn't feel as exciting. Well, this episode, I would say, this episode wasn't particularly exciting. Not to say it was a bad episode by any stretch, but it didn't. I wasn't on the edge of my seat, uh. wondering what's going to happen next. Um, uh. It was, you know, it was very, it was a quite a subdued, subdued, a bit of an, a thinking episode rather than an action episode. And I don't mind that, but I kind of quite like the action episodes as well. Yeah, and the I think action episode from the last, last, last yeah, week's episode. I think that, that's, that's a bit of a strength of Bergerac when it has, has more action, even though they don't necessarily handle it particularly well when there's a punch up. Um, sometimes it doesn't look particularly uh, impressive, but when when Jim's driving around the streets of Jersey and downtown Jersey and, and he's at chasing, 40 miles an hour, chasing down the, the bad guys and, and, and so on, I, I kind of quite like that, and that that feels like we're at least thus far that's when Bergerac's been at its best yeah. when there is an element of action going on. So anyway, our, to our lovely, lovely listeners. Let us know what you thought. We are on all social media networks uh, at, at, at Pumpkeep Dust. Uh, we're very wanted for your comments. If you've got any sort of lovely news to impart about Jersey, Bergerac, and all the lovely gorgeousness of uh, Period TV, please do drop us a line. But in the meantime, it's so long from me, Jonathan. And it's goodbye from me, Rob. Goodbye. Bye. The Bergerac Podcast is an Antique Dust production.